Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for greeting the fine folks. You're such a sweetheart and a wonderful hostess, as well as co-host and daughter. She is 10 and thusly a noob, as in she is new to the world. I am Soccer Noob, your host, and I am comparatively new to following soccer to probably most of the rest of you, only for a few years now. Nevertheless, I have been trying to learn about all the leagues and all the teams everywhere in the world at once. This is your invitation to my really fun, interesting, quirky learning journey. We are going to look at matches from all over the globe. It doesn't matter if the country or the event really is big or small. If it's important where it's being played, there's a really good chance that it's on our radar and going to, and we're going to be talking about it. It's mostly uh Top two matchups from various domestic top flight leagues, men's and uh, sometimes women's, as well as important or introductory matches from the beginning of various international tournament events. This week, we're going to be looking at matches from Friday the 3rd, moving all the way through Thursday the 9th of June. Before we drive in, drive, before we dive into the soccer matches, I can almost talk. Can you talk? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do a little uh, uh, pre-show proper chat. That's what a lot of real shows do, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, they might, they might not. You're not sure. I listen to enough to know that it's a thing. So um, people like hearing from you, what you're about, what you think. Uh, where are you and mommy headed this weekend? I don't happen to be going, but. Indianapolis. Woohoo! And are you there to go on a giant murderous uh, uh, spree? Yeah. Really? No. Why are you really going? To, to visit my mom's aunt and um, her son and um, a grand, granddaughter and grandson. That's right. And how old are they? Um, William is about one now. Hazel is three and John is 29. Oh, yeah. John's 20. Uh, I meant the little ones, but that's outstanding. And uh, if you had to say which one of the two uh, grandkids is cuter, would you be able to pick? Hazel. <laughs> she she looked just like me when she was younger except like cuter like way well i can uh, if she looks anything like you i can certainly see why you would be hard pressed to not say her name that's that's wonderful and you guys are going to be helping take up an old toy chest that i think was your aunt julie's when she was a kid and, mine. and some other furniture because yep. uncle john got a new house didn't he Mm-hmm. All right. Now, um, so that's what's going on with you this weekend. Hope you have an awesome time. Are you guys going to do anything specifically fun while you're up there? Um, like specific event-wise? or I am like 99% sure that they're going to want to go shopping. Oh, I see. And uh, where will you guys go to eat? I want to go to Bravo. 
Oh, that's not. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of Logan Sport when you go to the A and W place rather than Indianapolis. Uh, that's what I was fishing for uh, with that question. But the B and K. Yeah, the B and K and Haps or did Haps close? Haps Yeah, one of the two Haps closed, but there's still a Haps. Anyway, they're not in Indianapolis, so it doesn't matter. Well, I hope you have a fine time and that you'll message me and that you'll uh, try to find as much soccer to listen to on the radio and watch on the interwebs as you possibly can on your tablet. Sound good? Sure. <laughs> and and in the room that I that I really want to stay in that's up there, it has it has um, um it has like a Mac computer and it's really cool. Nice. And you I, should be able to find lots of soccer on there. And speaking of soccer, this isn't at all total random subject change. There is a word that you wanted to introduce everybody to that you learned. They want to know what you're thinking about. Sure, I think I know how to say it. Hoop. Hippo monstrosa I think that's it. I think that's as close as I could come. It might be longer than disestablishmentarianism. Sesquipedelphia or whatever it is, is a shortened version of the word I've seen. That means a fear of long words. And then you found a version, or you might have actually seen it first, that had the suffixes hippo and monstroso added on to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. monstroso is big. I'm not sure about the Latin or Greek or whatever for hippo, though, but they seemed a little redundant, like they were unnecessary, didn't they? Yeah. And isn't it ironic that the fear of long words? Is the word for is the longest word in the dictionary. And it means? The fear of long words. Oh, the irony. (laughs) Can we possibly live with it? No. No? Okay. Well, I guess we're not going to live with it, but nevertheless, we will uh, endeavor to do our usual soccer uh, uh, match match mini previews now. But uh, that's a little look into the life, mind, and times of Person Noob. Match number one! And for the first time in a long time, if maybe ever, who knows, we actually have multiple Friday matches. Yeah, starting off the soccer week right here on the podcast. Let's take a look first at the NWSL, the top flight for the American Gals. They are now playing in an expanded 12-team league instead of 10 like last year. The top six are going to bank the playoffs. The top two will get to go straight through to the semifinals. And the matchup we're going to look at is number four right now in the table. It's still moderately early in the regular season, Houston Dash, and they're playing host to number six, Orlando. They're part of a three-way tie in the table on points. Uh, They lead number seven, Chicago, by just one, and then they trail currently second place Angel City, one of the expansion teams, by one point. And then number one, uh, San Diego, another one of the expansion teams. They're doing very well by four points. You can catch this particular matchup at uh, 8.30 in the evening Eastern time. It's on Paramount+. Plus. Now, before we hit the official uh, team mini previews portion of this, I want to check in once again with our fellow anti-Swamp City uh, correspondent. Can we say that at this point? Advocate? Well, anyway, he's currently a science professor and a wetland ecologist at the University of Central Florida, which is in Orlando. And he agrees so much with us about nothing good, not even soccer, being able to come from a city built on uh, swampland, marshland, what have you, that he is here for a third consecutive week to help draw you into our cause to root against all things that are Swamp City based. Now, when we checked in with him last week, 
He was working on getting a position at Arizona State, a little weird for a wetland ecologist. Uh, He was trying to get away from uh, Orlando and uh, University of Central Florida just because after talking about uh, all the sinkholes that are eventually going to lay waste to that entire city and indeed probably all of Central Florida, he is in a hurry to get to where he feels uh, perhaps somewhat safer. So uh, let's check in once again with Professor uh, Arbre Cowan. Once again, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing your name right, sir. Thank you for coming back. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Houston hosting Orlando? How can that even be allowed? From one sinkhole frying pan and into the mosquito fire. Two Swamp City teams? Eh, it boggles the mind. Bad soccer, worse urban planning. Now, my possible move to Arizona State from UCF is coming along, and no sinkholes in the desert. But thanks to irrigation efforts in Arizona, I've come to learn that summer is not the best place to avoid those disease-ridden mosquitoes I'm trying to steer clear of after all. So, I'm headed to Mount Everest for the summer. I've gathered materials to make a house. No, no, not a house, a science lab. So I climb up the mountain and I pull my ropes with my big load of materials and I go up the mountain. Ah, here I am. So I must find a good spot to build. Ah, there's a a flat area over there, seems to be good. So we'll just unload the materials here and and, and carve out a foundation, yeah, that, that and then, uh, oh, we'll put up some walls, yeah, there we go, there's the walls, and, oh, got to have a nice sturdy roof on top, yeah, because there's lots of snow in the winter, I want to keep it safe, and, uh, let's see, door, yeah, and, oh, we got to get all my scientific equipment that I lugged up this mountain in there with me, there, there, now I'm all done, it's, oh, that looks good. And now my mosquito-free summer begins. Uh, son, I've got to be honest. That got confusing. Sounds like I got to Mount Everest during the actual recording. And I'm climbing a mountain at this character's clearly advanced age and building so fast. Hey, you know, that didn't make a lick of sense. Maybe, uh, Maybe you or I could do some severe editing here. And uh, my granddaughter wrote the Mount Everest part, didn't she? Whoops. <laughs> um, honey, that was great, honey. Uh, so creative. I'm, I'm very proud of you. And uh, now, uh, excuse me while I go take my foot out of my mouth. Thanks, Ed. Um, is it called Breaking the Fourth Wall when it's audio instead of like a, a TV show or a theatrical production? Yeah, neither here nor there. Does it really matter? Let's get into uh, learning, if not exactly rooting for, these uh, Swamp City putrid teams. First, we'll talk about Houston Dash. Uh, like seeing these connections with the men's side, they are directly affiliated with Major League Soccer's Houston Dynamo. Little history for them on the field. Uh, they won the preseason tournament called the Challenge Cup in 2020 and then went on to finish in second place in the regular season. 
Last year, though, not so good. They only finished in seventh place. This year, at least as far as the Challenge Cup ones, again, things didn't start great at all for them either. It is just a preseason tournament. It's hard to know how much to really read into it. But they did finish in last place in their fourteen to four-team central division. But now that the regular season is several games in, they're looking much better. Their offense is a little bit better than average, but the defense is where they're really shining. They've only allowed three goals in five matches, and overall that's given them a positive goal differential. I think this is a team that uh, shouldn't have to worry too much about staying in a 16 playoff position, although I'm not sure they're going to necessarily challenge for one of the top two spots either. Key got to look for for them in this one. Tied for second best with leagues in league scoring with three in the net already is uh, their English forward slash fullback. Yeah, she plays all over the field. Rachel Daly, and congratulations to her. She just made four appearances with Great Britain's Olympic team last year. Uh, another gal you want to keep an eye open for, tied for second best in assists in the league right now, is Nichelle Prince, their star Canadian forward. And she's actually got almost 80 appearances since uh, 2013 Think uh, for their national team up there. I think she's been doing that since she was a teenager pretty much. But who's been really hot for Houston and can help get them over the hump and help them maintain this lofty position? In my opinion, it's Haley Hansen, the right midfielder. Despite the fact that she has to play bare, uh, fairly deep behind a 10 and then a row of forwards, she's still been getting to create a lot of chances. She's only officially earned one assist, but she's making a lot of key passes and she tracks back well on defense as well. The team's current form backs this all up. They are 2-2-0 in their last four. They've been really smoking hot. Now, coming to town, Orlando. Looking at them historically, 2017 was their uh, best season. They finished in third place of the regular season, made the playoff semifinals. And in fact, that's the only playoff appearance I believe they've made in their six-year history. Certainly didn't do it last year. They finished in number eighth overall. This year, just like Houston, did not have a great start in the preseason Challenge Cup tournament, finished in last place in the Eastern of the three divisions. But they have found their offensive stride now. They're scoring exactly one and a half goals per match, tied for league best in that particular regard. But their defense is the worst in the league. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold on to a spot because it's worse by a fair bit. They're giving up two goals per game on average. Uh, giving up two goals per game, I should say. And that's just awful. They're tied for 10th place on goal differential. I think Orlando fans should try to enjoy their moderately good start while they can because I don't think they're going to be in a playoff position for long. Nevertheless, if they get it done, it will again be on the offensive side. And they've got two gals to look for who are putting a whole lot of goals past goalies, uh, Michaela Clough and Sydney LaRue. But who's been fairly hot for them is Darian Jenkins, their right winger. She got a goal last match, and she's been winning over half of her ground duels and getting physical tackling really really well. She's going to need some other people to step up and, and help behind her, but you know maybe they can stay afloat purely on the offensive side. Time will tell. Uh, they are 1-1-1 one, one, one of their last three, looking like they're already slipping a little bit with just a six against seven goal differential. Match number B. That's right, not number two. That's Bathroom Talk, New Bites. You're beautiful people. We know you're couth. Join us in our revolution to replace that in your daily lives with the phrase... Number B, listen to it in action. Match number B, our second match of the podcast. See, it's easy. Comes to us from the CONCACAF Nations League. Now, if that's not an event that you're familiar with, no worries. This is only the second time that they've ever held it. 
tell you a little bit about it. First, I'll start by telling you about the Gold Cup in our region. The CONCACAF Gold Cup is our Continental Federation's championships for all the men's national teams. They're doing it for the women's side now as well, but this is the men's event. All 41, all 41 member nations are going to be represented. And by the way, uh, the USA are the defending champions. They won the first one. Basically, the Gold Cup is every other year. So now in the off years, they're going to host this event, the Nations League. And basically, it's just a way to uh, make things a lot more meaningful than playing a bunch of friendlies during these international breaks. And it is now a path for getting into the Gold Cup. This is a qualifier tournament. So that we have some real stakes. Here's what everything looks like. As I said, 41 member nations. Those teams are divided into three leagues based on ability uh, slash seeding. Uh, so uh, League A is the best one. League C is the worst one. You get the idea. Now, those leagues are divided into uh, different groups, uh, usually of either three or four. And those groups are evenly drawn from within the league. So no, no one group is better than another. The leagues are the only ones that are ranked that way. Now, the winners of the three groups in League A, the best one, will have their own little playoff when all is said and done and will compete for the Nations League title. The winners of leagues B and C are all going to get promoted from all those groups. The losers of the groups in leagues A and B will get demoted. So you get some promotion and relegation that way. This match that we're going to look at is taking place in Curacao. It's a neutral site in the city of Willemstad. By the way, you can catch it on Paramount Plus at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. In fact, I think Paramount is carrying uh, most or maybe even all, at the very least, of this uh, the group stage matches. One we're going to look at, it's not the shiniest one in terms of the best teams, but it is the best-looking match on paper in terms of how competitive it should be. Sint Martin in the Caribbean taking on fellow Caribbean Islanders from the U.S. Virgin Islands. They are in League C, as you might imagine, Group 1 with Turks and Caicos and Bonaire. Now, League C, all the groups are only uh, three teams deep on this one except for one group of four. The top two finishers in each of these groups are going to qualify for the Gold Cup proper and the Gold Cup preliminary round, respectively. Uh, in the other leagues, the top three get to advance to the Gold Cup or the Gold Cup preliminary round. So it's a little bit harder when you're down here, but these are the smaller countries and the comparatively weaker teams. Let's talk about them, though, just the same. That's what we do on the show. Talk about stuff that maybe nobody else is going to. Although that said, let me take a time out before we start taking talking about St. Martin. Uh, World of CONCACAF is a podcast that I've started listening to within the last month or so. Our podcast is great for getting uh, swimming in the shallow end of lots of different places all over the world. If you want to get a little bit deeper dive into CONCACAF league play and national teams, I cannot recommend World of CONCACAF News Desk podcast highly enough. It's getting better and better with each episode as they have more exciting things to talk about. All right. Anyway, back to the footy on our show. St. Martin. Uh, that is the Dutch half of the St. Martin Island with the French side, which is St. Martin. They should just combine and have one team, but that's not how it works. Noob's not in charge. Now, good to know, St. Martin is not a FIFA member because they are not their own quite fully independent country, at least in FIFA's eyes. I'm not sure exactly how all that works, but that doesn't keep them from being a member of CONCACAF. In fact, they've been full members since 2013. 
that was after they became both independent of the Netherlands and sort of the nation state of Netherlands utilities uh, dissolved in 2010. Never been to a World Cup, never even been to a Gold Cup before. This is one of the weaker ones in all of the Caribbean even. Uh, let's see, taking a look at what they've done recently in the 2019-2020 Nations League, the first generation. Yeah, they went 0-0-4. They managed a little bit of offense, six goals, but they gave up 15. It's just uh, it's just an island, uh, a half an island country with a long way to go, quite frankly. They're uh, ranked number 38, which I think is probably something like fifth from the bottom. That said, for seeding-wise, they should finish third place of the four in this group. As far as the team's current form, not much to go on. They played uh, one match that I'm aware of in uh, – uh, 2022, and that was a friendly where they lost 5-0 at Aruba. Not exactly one of our region's powers, and they got drubbed. Okay, let's move on to the Virgin Islands, the US-1 specifically, who are known as the Dashing Eagle. Not Eagles. I always like it when there's just a, a single bull. A single a single bull? A single one, like a, like a non-countable noun. It's a linguistic dream. Anyway, they've never been to the World Cup or the Gold Cup either. In the in 2019-20 Nations League, they went 1-0-5. They beat the French half of this island. They beat the team from St. Martin 1-2. That was the only one they got. They are ranked just below their opponents today as number 39. And to give you some perspective, that puts both of these teams just outside the top 200 worldwide in FIFA, or rather it does for U.S. Virgin Islands, and it would for the other team if they were actually members of uh, St. Martin with FIFA. Now, that said, they you know they should finish last based on the seeding. Uh, the only player, I, I couldn't find anything for St. Martin. As far as the Virgin Islands, the only player that I can find that I think even plays with a professional team is a defender named Casal Green. He plays with uh, Cayone FC over in St. Kitts and Nevis, uh, Nevis rather, which is one of only four countries in the Caribbean that actually has a fully professional league. As far as this team's recent form, won the World Cup qualifiers in 2021, uh, they didn't do so well. Uh, they lost 0-7 at home to El Salvador. Not surprising. And then you'd hope they could make a better showing with this because this country's so small that they can't be ranked much ahead of them, if at all. But they lost uh, 4-0 at Montserrat. In any case, good luck to both of these teams. This is going to be a really fun event to keep track of. Match number three. This is our last Friday match, and it comes to us from the qualifying tournament for the two 2023 AFCON. That is Africa's Continental Championship Tournament. Here for the qualification tournament, here's how it's gone so far. The bottom 12 seeded teams had to play in a preliminary round for six berths into the group stage, where there are now 48 teams. They've been divided into a dozen groups of four. The top two will advance to the actual AFCON next year, and the group stage for this is just now getting started. The most competitive one on paper, and this looked a little bit better than the CONCACAF Nations League one, don't worry. Not that either of these two may be contending for a title necessarily, but they may not be that far below the mark. We're going to talk about Burkina Faso, and they're going to be playing host to Cape Verde. Uh, the Stallions of Burkina Faso, uh, they play out of the uh, 60,000 seat, here goes my French, Stade Ducat out 1983. 
Uh, I'm assuming that just stands for uh, a lot of stadiums are names after uh, important historic dates or the dates the stadium was open. So the August 4th, 1983 stadium in the capital city of Ouagadougou. Now, this is a team that has never once made the World Cup, but they've had some success in the AFCON. In the 2021 version, in fact, they finished in third place. And that is their sixth appearance that they've made since 2010. So they have really become mainstays. And in fact, in 2013, they were runners up. So maybe I speak, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that as a noob to say that this team can't compete for that title. They're only about a decade from getting pretty darn close to it. Now, they are rated as the 11th best team in Africa. Uh, that puts them right about at number 60 for FIFA. Best player that they have going, in my opinion, is Edmund Tapoba, defensive player, center back, just 23 years old, but he's already over in Europe playing for Bayer Leverkusen in Germany's Bundesliga. He's already got more than two dozen national team caps to his credit. Uh, mostly he gets compared to a famous player called, named uh, Jerome Boateng because of his combination of both size and strength. I think that he likes to uh, think of himself as a little quicker than others might. Thinks of himself more as a Virgil van Dyke, from what I've read. Anyway, and then the other guy to really keep an eye on for this team is Bertrand. I'm going to pronounce it Treore, and forgive me, I might be getting that wrong. Uh, he plays forward for them, came up with Chelsea, and has played with Lyon before. Right now he's in the Premier League with Aston Villa. This is a guy who started his international career at 15 years old. So despite the fact that he's still pretty young in soccer years, he's already got 65 national team caps to his credit over the last decade and change. As far as this team's current form, uh, they lost the two friendlies uh, since 2021's AFCON that they've played uh, against European teams. Didn't go so well. Uh, they lost a little tiny, but uh, up and coming at the very least, Kosovo, nil five, and be to uh, Belgium, one of the world's great teams, nil three. And now Cape Verde, the Blue Sharks. They have never been to a World Cup either, but they did make the 2021 AFCON round of 16. Not even the best they've ever done. They actually made the quarterfinals, got a step further, back in 2013. That's the best of their three ever appearances in the event proper. Best player they have going is probably uh, Giovanni Cabral. He is a winger, 23 years old. Uh, Lazio over in Italy, Syria, I'll have the rights to him. But he's on loan, uh, or he had been on loan with Sporting CP, one of the three big ones over in Portugal. Check out to be honest, feels to me like not much worse than a very lateral move. So nice loan position. Uh, this is a guy who hasn't been real regular with the international team. So I'll be curious to see how much playing time he gets. But given who plays for, he really should. But I think he's only made three national team starts since 2017. And we do have a USA connection. Player named uh, Jamiro Monteiro. Uh, he plays midfielder for San Jose Earthquakes. Not exactly one of Major League Soccer's uh, best teams, but nevertheless still a, a connection for us. And he moved over to Philly uh, this year in February. Uh, this, is, this team is ranked number 14 in Africa, 73 by FIFA, by the way. As far as the team's current form, uh, since the 2021 AFCON, they have played in three friendlies, and uh, they've actually won all theirs, although, again, we don't know how much stock to put in friendlies, but it beats getting the uh, the crap kicked out of you. Uh, they have beaten Guadeloupe in the Caribbean, uh, Liechtenstein, yeah, the Dutchie, and San Marino. They beat them nil-ten, so they didn't exactly test themselves too hard, it would seem, when it came to the friendlies, but nevertheless, you got to like getting wins.
Match number four. The first of our Saturday matches brings us right back home to the only Major League Soccer match this week, so we're going to talk about it. Not quite sure why they're playing it. They're supposed to be on international break. Don't know if something got canceled or delayed. But in any case, they're playing it. We're going to pay attention to it. We never ignore Major League Soccer. Number 12 in the Western Conference, Vancouver, is playing host to number three in the Western Conference, Real Salt Lake. Now, a quick reminder for those who are a little bit newer. There are two conferences in Major League Soccer. The top seven teams will all go to the playoffs. The winners of each of the two conferences will get a bye uh, compared to the other teams. Now, obviously, Vancouver seems well out of the mist. Uh, mix. So this is a little bit more important for RSL. Can they get a road point or points to help us find out and to help us in turn know how to gamble on it? We will turn to no, none other than our 3,500-year-old world-walking, wisdom-seeking, herb-smoking uh, oracle, seer extraordinaire, Nipsterdamus, are you there, old friend? And if so, take it away, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Here there is no comfort, no mercy, just the howling winds that have sharpened my intellect, wisdom and ability to touch the universal infinite. More than this, I... I'm awesome. That's the gist of it. Let's just smoke the sweet lotus leaf. (sighs) So that I once again travel through space and time. Whee! Oh ho! What a treat I remember this place. It's the mid-19th century. I'm sitting on a stump doing some day-drinking with a friend, John Dayton. He's lounging on the ground, much more comfortable given the unnatural swelling of his legs and feet. That's the reason he got out of steamboat captaining and gold prospecting and other such adventures of his life. Here on the shores of Broad Inlet, local sawmill workers are nearly done with building John's new bar, the Globe Saloon. We're drinking now because when they're done, their payment will be all the whiskey they can drink in one unholy night. Who knows what will happen? One thing I know for sure is Johnny won't let me babysit his establishment again. I'd met him at his previous bar further north in New Westminster. Those health problems led him to need a visit to some hot mineral springs. I agreed to watch the place, but was unprepared for the Bacchanalian tornado coming. On July 4th, the place was overrun with partying Americans who would listen to no reason. The bar was ruined. So I helped him achieve what he really wanted. John wanted to be a part of history, not merely an adventurer for wealth. I staked out a new place for his business. This new bar home area would be known as Granville, officially, but also Gastown. John was known as Gassy Jack for his long-winded adventure tales. Gastown neighborhood still stands today in present-day Vancouver. His statue was just wrecked by protesters this last February on the 14th. Noob, 
I predict sadly that Vancouver will lose this game. One to four. I have seen and I have spoken. Match number five. This is one of my favorite leagues to watch because a lot of years they just don't seem to play any defense whatsoever. I mean, why work so hard when you're in paradise, basically? Match number five, we take a look at League One in Tahiti. Now, they're over three quarters of the way through the season here, so things are getting dramatic. This league is ranked number four in Oceania's Football Confederation. The top two teams from this league will both get to go to that federation's Champions League. And a fun side note here makes it a little bit easier uh, for, uh, I think, for changes to happen in the standings. Um, they use a four-point system, not a three-point system. If you win a game in Tahiti, you get four points for the win. If you earn a draw, both teams each get two points rather than one. And if you even show up, you get one point. And I think part of the reason for that is, you know, not just to change the distribution, but I, I gather in the countries that use this system, and there is more than one, uh, that a lot of the time, for various reasons, teams just won't show up. And if you don't show up, you don't get any kind of point. <laughs> in any case, the matchup we're going to look at, it's a dandy. Number B, Dragon taking on number one, Venus. Venus currently lead Dragon by two in the table. Dragon internally number three, Pire by four points. And to be perfectly honest, despite what I said about the four-point system, realistically, this is a three-horse race now. Pire are the only team that could probably threaten either of these two for one of those Champions League spots. When they played earlier this season, by the way, Dragon won on the road nil two. So now they're really looking to, uh, despite that, they're still the ones looking up the table at Venus. We'll talk about Dragon first. They play out of the French Polynesian capital. And yes, that is the name of the country, not Tahiti. Tahiti's just the big island of Papeta, if I'm getting my pronunciation right. And uh, it, I've seen this name so many times, but I've never looked at this particular team. They didn't just decide on Dragon because it was an imitating, uh, no, intimidating and cool. This club was specifically founded in the country to represent French Polynesia's Chinese community. Now, that said, I don't have an awareness that this team is necessarily only taking people as players uh, who are of Chinese descent. But maybe. Didn't quite get that deep into my dive. They have won three league titles in their history. Uh, last one was 2016-17. And in 2018, they made the Champions League quarterfinals. Best they've ever done. Last year, they finished third place in the league, just missing out on the Champions League. This year, the offense. Remember when I said that uh, no defense gets played? Now, well, I'll start with the defense. They've got a th top three defense. They give up just over one goal per match, and that's pretty rare with this league. But the offense, they average five and three quarters goals per game. Can you even imagine? I've never seen anything like it. They've got the number one overall goal differential as well. I believe that this is a team that's going to come back and win the league, quite frankly. Uh, now, the stats, I the player stats I was seeing were from quite a while back when they were only about a quarter of the way through the season. I will nevertheless mention that at that time, the second best scorer in the league was a player named Francois Mou, M-U. Yeah. Now, the team's form, uh, two matches ago, they lost 4-5 to five to Tafana, uh, but that's their only loss on the season. Uh, they bounced back, by the way, from that with a nil-10 win at... Olympic 
Mahina, which is not the worst team in the league, and they're still beating them by double digits. Wow. All right, and now Venus. Uh, they play out of the commune of uh, Mahina, which is on the uh, north part of the Tahitian Island. It's a commune of about 15,000, pretty average. Uh, the naming for this club, Venus, is very interesting. Um, Explorer, adventurer, Captain James Cook was sent specifically to watch the, tra- the astrological phenomenon known as the transit of Venus in this area. Uh, and in fact, it's on a specific end of the bay that is called Mataval Bay, and that point is called Venus Point, and the club is named after that little local bit of history. So pretty cool. Love finding little bits like that. And this is a team that is partnered, by the way, with Saint Etienne over in France. So they've got some help and are getting some resources from the mainland. To that end, they have won 10 league titles. Last one was 2018-19, although that was their first time in just about 20 years. Uh, That said, in 2018 and 2020, they did get to go to the Champions League, made the group stage. And in 1999 and 2001, they even went so far as making the semifinals, back when they were getting to the Champions League more regularly. Last year, they finished in second place, uh, two points behind P. Ray. This year, well... Uh, forget what I said about offense. These guys are lousy. Second best, they're not even scoring quite five goals a match. In Tahiti, that's nothing. Second best defense. Interestingly, it's a team that's giving up less than one goal per match. They've got the second best goal differential. About a quarter of the way through the season, the Lee's leading scorer was playing for this team. Still could be the case. Teaunui uh, Tehu or Tiha rather, play striker for them. He's uh, he's never been in the mainland. His entire career, he has uh, bounced around between the top three clubs here in Tahiti. He's got 33 national team caps, in fact, as well. Been playing for them since uh, 2011 on, although I'm not sure that he's been with them since 2019. Team's current form, seven straight wins and unbeaten in their last 10. And this involves your last place team in the country. They just beat AS Mataea nil 15. Woof. It's like catnip to these kitties. They want a recap of last week's matches. We will take a break now and give it to them. Match number one was a Saturday match from Major League Soccer. We had number three in the East Orlando taking on number three in the Western Conference. Dallas, the road team, came out ahead. Dallas won three. The Stars came out to play two. My goodness. Paul Ariola had a brace for Dallas. Jesus Ferreira had two assists for him. Uh, Orlando, uh, Mauricio Herrera, guys that we said to look for, he even had an assist as well. That moved Dallas up to second place in the conference and Orlando down into fifth place. Match number B from Australia's A-League men playoff final between number one for the regular season, Melbourne City, and number three, Western United. We had an upset. Western United came away with a road nil to win. And man of the match possibility, we said to look for Alexander Priovich. He had, I believe, the second goal. Match number three from UEFA's Champions League, the final, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. As if you didn't know, Real Madrid won nil one. Sunday, match number four, Mexico, Liga MX, the Clausura final, the second leg of the two-legged tie between number one for the regular season, Pachuca, and number three, Atlas. It went the way of Pachuca, two to one, but uh, Atlas had won the first leg, two nil, so they actually went on aggregate, three to two. Uh, for Pachuca, Nicolás Ibanez did have a goal. But congratulations to Atlas on the title. 
Match number five from Honduras's Liga Nacional. Number one, Real España took on number four, CD Matagua. And the result was a 2-0 win for Real, which means that Matagua win the title 2-3 on aggregate because the first match had been a 3-0 win in their two-legged tie. Uh, for Real, man, that we set to look out for, Ramiro Roca did have a goal. Congratulations to Matagua on their title. Match number six from Guatemala's Liga Nacional. Yeah, it was a big week for the Latin American countries. Second leg of their two-legged tie for the Clausura final. Number one, Comunicaciones took on number B, CSD Municipal. Comunicacion, just as they did in the first leg, they won 1-0, and so they have won the title. Kudos. Match number seven from El Salvador, their Premier División, where Alianza played host to Aguila, and it went to 1-1 after regular time, and then some had to go to penalty kicks because they were only playing one match, and it was Alianza coming out on top 5-4, to four, and that was despite the fact they held on, uh, despite losing a man to a red card in the 54th minute. Match number 8 from England's EFL Championship, the second division, the promotion playoff final, the richest match in the world, with 85 million pounds basically coming their way in TV rights if they could win and be the third and final team to get promoted to the Premier League. Number 3 for the regular season, Huddersfield Town took on number 4, Nottingham Forest. Welcome back to the Premier League, Tricky Trees. Nottingham Forest won the game 0-1. Welcome back to the Premier League. Monday, match number nine was the Africa Champions League final between All-Ali and White Ed Casablanca. Congratulations to Noob's favorite African team, White Ed Casablanca out of Morocco on the mild upset with the 0-2 win. Wednesday, match number 10 was from UEFA World Cup qualifying second round semi-final. That was between Scotland and Ukraine. This has been put off in a while because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, of course. We did not have the goal, uh, the score known at the time of game scouting. We'll just simply reiterate that the winner will get to play Wales in the uh, qualification final for a berth in the actual World Cup. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. The route of the week was a Sunday match between uh, between number 12, Leikner Reykjavik, and number one, Bredablik from Iceland's Besta Dielden, their top flight. And the result, it wasn't much of a route, but they did get the road win. Number one, Bredablik won one to two. For the most meaningless match in the world from Latvia's higher league, number six, Dogovkels took on number five, Auda. I'm sure I'm still not saying that close to right. In any case, it was Auda that came up on top one to two. And we said to look for Tomislav S-T-R-K-A-L-J. You pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. I need another vowel, Pat or Vanna or somebody. He had a brace. There was no change, though, in the table position. And then finally, a match of Disappointed. Another Saturday match from Estonia's Maestro Liga. Number nine, Talana Kalev took on number 10, Legion. And the result is so appropriate for the match of Disappointed, where no one is ever really allowed to win. He had a 2-2 draw. It is worth mentioning for Legion, the guy we said to look for, Nikita Ivanov did have one of the goals. Now, interestingly, even though it was a draw, both teams did move up. Uh, Kalev moved up to number eight, and Legion moved up to number nine. So perhaps there was just a little modicum of hope for our disappointed in teams after all. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back in to looking at the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. More Saturday action, and this time we go back to Europe for their version of the Nations League. 
just like our Nations League here in CONCACAF land is tied to our Gold Cup qualification, their event is tied to their 2024 European Championships qualification. I won't get uh, real deep into the weeds because it does get pretty weird and complicated. Suffice to say this, a couple of the teams that do the best from this event that don't qualify for the European Championships via other paths will get to qualify through this particular one. Otherwise, it's very much like our Nations League with, uh, although they have four leagues all divided by ability instead of three, they'll do the same things with promotion and relegation between those leagues. And they do, just like us for the most part, have four teams per group. So, Person Noob, since I couldn't decide which match that I wanted to cover, because it's the beginning of the group stage and they're sort of all equally important right now, I decided to just start reading down the matches and I didn't make it anywhere near to the end when you heard a country name and said, you're doing that match. And what was the country that caught your attention? Lithuania. So we're going to be talking about Lithuania and Luxembourg. Now, I'm not sure that you care particularly about Luxembourg, but what is your deal with Lithuania? Why do you like it so much or why are you so interested? Well, one, well, sorry. well one reason is because right now how Ukraine is being attacked by Russia, Russia um, Lithuania is one of the first ones that I ever knew that's actually like full, like part of it is fully invaded by Russia. Like they aren't attacking, it's like part of Russia. And um, in my book is about um, one girl who who like was living in Lithuania, and then it's it's like super long. Yeah, what's the name of the book that you re- that you read that is all about a girl in Lithuania? Words on fire. Okay, and it goes back to the time when uh, Russia was invading Lithuania. Do you want to tell them a little bit about what the book's about? Because maybe people who are listening, you know, they might recommend it to their kids. It's very uh, it's a very timely book. Well, um, I wouldn't suggest this to like a to like a little kid because this has a burning house in the background on the front page. Well, no, not like a little little kid, but I mean a kid your age. Oh, okay. you're a big kid. I apologize. Okay, um, so it's basically about um, um, a girl. I forgot her name. I haven't read this in a while. Hold on. You know what? You know what? I don't care. <laughs> That's okay. The girl, the main character. Yeah, I haven't read this in a while. Anyway, what's her deal? Um, so she is living in the country, like, like, like a little while away, like, she lives by the woods, and then, um, she's, like, in a farm, and then one day, and, and her dad has a secret job, and then, um, one day, um, they tell, they, 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 sorry, they see soldiers, and then they are forced to flee, the father gets exploded in the house, we believe, which he, we've never shown, so we so we assume that he got blown up in the house, and then the mother gets gets arrested by the soldiers because she because she tripped and she got her leg caught, and then and then um it's basically about um like her like her like running through adventures because she was giving a bag that she had to carry and she's also running by soldiers who want to um invade her. That's right, and the bag we believe has uh, has something. Uh, words related, hence the title, and she is trying to basically complete what she thinks her dad's last mission was mm-hmm. while living on her own without her parents and fleeing Russian soldiers. I've read some of this book even as well back when I think you were doing it for school or just for fun. It is an outstanding book, and even though it is not soccer related, I am just Part of the reason we do this show is we use soccer as an excuse to learn about the world. So I am so happy that you wanted to uh, tell people about uh, a little bit about Lithuania and introduce them to this book. Again, it's called Words on Fire, and who's it by? 
Jennifer A. Jennifer A. Nielsen. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you a lot, Person Noob. And now we'll talk a little bit about the soccer match itself. And the match will be hosted by Lithuania, ranked number 41 in Europe, playing host to number 39, Luxembourg. So we do get a really competitive event, at least on paper, too. They play in League C out of the four leagues, and they're in Group 1. You can catch this, by the way, on Fox Soccer Plus, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's get into Lithuania, Person Noob's team. They are ranked number 138 by FIFA. The stadium they're going to hold this at, it's a small country. It's only got a capacity of a little over 5,000. That is the LFF Stadium in the city of Vilnius. The team has never been to the World Cup. In fact, they've never even qualified for the European Championships either. Looking at the last Nations League, they did all right. They went 2-2-2 in League C. Uh, Time before that, which was also still League C, they went 0-0-6. So that was quite an improvement. Uh, As far as the World Cup qualifiers from last year, uh, they had a pretty bad time. They went 0-1-7. Their one win was a mild little upset against Bulgaria, who they beat at home 3-1. Now, there is a regional event called the Baltic Cup that they've won 10 times, but they haven't hoisted even that particular trophy since 2010. They're seeded third in this particular group of four. Uh, key player to look for, well, let's talk about their captain, Ernestus. I believe it's pronounced Shekdus. He's a goalkeeper, 37 years old. Only been starting with them about the last six years. Kind of interesting. Uh, best league he's ever played in is Turkey's League One. He played for a club called Savaspor. But that said, I wonder if uh, his current team might be the best one he's ever played with, Hapoel Tel Aviv over in Israel. The team doesn't have any players that play with any of the, uh, let's say, uh, top six countries over in Europe. So they really count on this guy's both abilities and experience. Team's current form, uh, they recently beat San Marino uh, just one to two, and then they lost at Ireland nil one. And now looking to make person who very, very sad. I'm sure that's what motivates them. The Red Lions, boo, everybody's Lions. Do better than that Luxembourg. They're ranked just inside the top 100 for FIFA. Uh, World Cup qualification last year. Uh, they won a couple of times. They beat both Ireland and Azerbaijan on the road, interestingly. So they're not afraid to get it done when they're away from home, apparently. They've never qualified for the World Cup or the European Championships. Uh, 21-22 Nations League. They went 3-2-1 and one in League C. Uh, and that's after they had been promoted from League D, the lowest one the year before. Uh, This team should finish in second place out of this particular group. Their captain's name is Laurent, I think it's going to be pronounced Jans, J-A-N-S, plays right back. He's been with the... He's been playing with this team since 2012. He's starting to flirt with 100 national team appearances. Right now he is with Sparta Rotterdam, which is not one of the Netherlands' better teams, but still a pretty decent league. Spent the longest part of his career, just to give you some perspective, with Waslin Beveren, not one of the better teams, but an okay one, currently over in the second division in Belgium. And we have a USA connection, by the way. Maximim Chano, he plays defender, 32 years old over there. Uh, he plays for NYCFC. In fact, he's been with the Pigeons since 2016. He's actually French-born, but he's got 50 Luxembourgian national team caps to his credit, earning those since 2013. Team's current form, they lost both of their friendlies this year to Northern Ireland and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Match number seven. 
And now we're on to Sunday, match number seven. Sorry, but I got to do a big old cheat here on this one. I wanted to allow for a full game slot for World Cup qualifying in UEFA, which is all done except for three teams. It's been done for quite a while, in fact. But the three teams that are left are Scotland, Wales, and Ukraine battling out for one more spot. And uh, just sort of uh, in honor of Ukraine, I wanted to give them a full slot. They were having to play at a semifinal against Scotland, but that final was not uh, done in time for my game scouting. Uh, the winner of that particular match on uh, the previous Wednesday will get to play Wales for one final spot. We love our Western European teams, our cousins over in Scotland and Wales uh, here stateside. We love you very much, but the world is rooting for Ukraine, obviously on the field and most definitely off the pitch. We hope that uh, peaceful solutions uh, can be found soon and that re in that region. We just detest any sort of war going on. So no matter who's going to be playing on that, even if it is Scotland and Wales, we certainly hope that you will check it out with a World Cup slot on the line. That is a really, really high stakes match. Jokes from the jelly jar, jokes from the jelly jar, jokes from the jelly jar. Jokes from the jelly. <sighs> I think you're kind of smelly. Jokes in the jelly jar. You're, you're being mean to the audience. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I meant you. <laughs> no, I showered. Are you ready for some great jokes that we're going to dig out of the jelly jar? Sure. All right, let me reach in here. What do you call a pretty ghost? Mm. Boo! To fall. What does the dentist of the year get? Mm. A little plaque. Plaque on your teeth or a plaque on the wall for an uh. award. Yeah, maybe it wasn't that good. Um, I don't know if you'll know this word or not. Let's try it anyway. Um, to the person who stole my place in the queue. That's not the line. I'm coming after you. Okay, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Tiny snort laugh. I, here's another one. I don't know if you know the word. It means hungry, the key word. I think I might have chicken pox. How do I know? I'm starting to feel a little peckish. Okay, that was kind of Okay, want one more? All right. Why can't dinosaurs speak? Because they're dead. <laughs> because they went extinct years ago. Do the theme song again. Take us out, P Noob. Jokes from the jelly jar. Jokes from the jelly jar. Jokes from the jelly jar. Match number eight. The last of our weekend matches comes to us from Brazil's Serie A, the top flight and the best league, sorry, Argentina, in all of CONMEBOL, or South America. That's their confederation name. We have a rule, even if it's fairly early in the season, if they've played at least five matches and the top two teams are tied, by gosh, they're getting a slot no matter what else we have to ignore here on the show. By the way, from this league, four teams will get to go to the Copa Libertadores, that's their Champions League group stage, Two more teams will get to go to a qualifying round 
And then six teams will get to go to the secondary tournament there, which in Europe is the Europa League. Here they call it the Copa Sudamericana. Your matchup, even though they're only something like eight matches into the season, number one, Palmyras, taking on number B, Atletico MG. Uh, they're also tied with Corinthians. So even though this is early, this is a really big deal between some historically excellent teams. Both of these teams, by the way, are also currently participating in the group stage of the Copa Libertadores. You can watch this one. Three o'clock on Sunday afternoon, it's on Paramount Plus. Paul Myris, they play out of Sao Paulo uh, in a neighborhood or district called Perdices. Uh, the team nickname is a fun one. They are known as Porco, have been since the mid-80s. Before that, they were called the Plain Parakeet. Not sure why the uh, modifier there with being plain, but sort of an interesting nickname either way. The Porco comes from the Italian heritage, as that was... Uh, thought to be more or less synonymous with uh, the Italian immigrants over there. Uh, it was used as a derogatory term, but the fans and supporters there, they performed what is known linguistically as seizure, and now they love to cheer Porco, Porco, Porco. Hey, that's fun to say. I kind of like cheering Porco, Porco. Yeah, anyway. Uh, the largest supporters group, by the way, really interesting on this. They are known, uh, I'm going to give it to you in English rather than in Portuguese, as the green-white stain. And that is, and I wish I had seen why, but it wasn't there. That is the green version of an early villain, quote-unquote, from Mickey Mouse cartoons, who, uh, who was, the character was known as the Phantom Blot. So why the connection between a Mickey Mouse villain and Brazilian soccer? Who knows? You can go on your own, uh, I don't know, Wikipedia rabbit trail for that or whatever. Anyway, uh, they, are, they are the two-time defending Copa Libertadores champions. Uh, they've won 10 modern league titles. That's the most in the country. Last time they took it was 2018. Last year, they finished very strong in third place. This year, looking like they're going to repeat again. Uh, they have the second-best offense going, number one defense, only five goals given up in eight matches. Good for the number one overall goal differential. And at home, that's going to make them just incredibly tough to beat. Uh, Second-best in league assists with three already is Rafael Veiga. He plays attacking midfielder for them and has been doing so since 2017. And then tied for number one in clean sheets already is the singularly named goalkeeper, Waverton. He's 34 years old. Spent the heart of his career with uh, a much weaker team, to be perfectly honest, Atletico Ense. So I find it interesting that he's moved up to a much stronger team here in his later soccer years. Team's current form, they have won six straight across all competitions. And in fact, they haven't lost a match anywhere they've played since all the way last April. Wow. And now coming to town to try to end that streak, and good luck with it, is the mighty rooster or galu of Atletico MG. Uh, they play out of the state of Minas Gerais, that's where the MG comes from, out of the city of Belo Horizonte, which is the sixth biggest in the country. Really interesting, this area, obviously it's a huge city, economically diverse, but traditionally this has been a hub of metallurgical, and a word I'd never seen before, and as a Scrabble nerd, I love stuff like this, siderurgical industry, which uh, you'd think would could just fit under the umbrella, umbrella of metallurgy, but that is the specific word for ironworking. Anyway, neither here nor there, but hey, that's what we do here. Use soccer as an excuse to learn about all kinds of other things. Footy-wise, they have won the league title twice, 
Uh, they are the defending league champs. It was the first time they'd won the title since 1971. But don't be fooled. This team spent, sends a lot of teams to the Copa Libertadores. AMG have made plenty of appearances there recently. And in fact, they won it in 2013. This year, very well balanced early on. Tied for second best on offense. Tied for number four right now on defense. Only conceding one goal per match on average. Good for the second-best goal differential. Neither of these teams are here by a fluke, and they are going to be at or near the top all the way through the season, almost certainly. Tied for second-best in league scoring right now with five. Long in the soccer tooth, but still getting it done. He who is known simply as Hulk. He is named that for uh, his uh, purported... Uh, seeming likeness to Lou Ferrigno, but I've seen him, and especially with the beard, I'll be honest, I don't get it. But that said, he is a little broad-shouldered. He's got a nice European pedigree. He played with uh, Porto over in uh, Portugal, and he's also been with one of the best teams over in Russia, Zenit St. Petersburg, before. And then another man to be looking out for from this squad, tied for second best in league assists, is Ignacio Hernandez, Argentinian midfielder, 32 years old. So a real veteran presence working for this team. And they have a current form of 4-0-1 in their last five. Match number nine. As is so often the case, you get Monday off new bites, and then it's right back to the match tracking on Tuesday. Number nine comes to us from Asia, the AFC World Cup qualifying, where the last more or less completed round, I'll explain, was the fourth round. There were 12 teams still alive. They've been divided into two groups of six. The top two finishers from each of those groups automatically to the World Cup. Congratulations. Bravo. The number three finishers, not completely dead yet. Those two are still alive because they will play each other in this match that we're going to look at briefly. The winner of that does not get to go to the World Cup necessarily, but they will get to advance to an inter-confederation playoff match with one of the also-rans from South America, their World Cup qualifying, in this case, Peru. The match is going to be played in Qatar, just like the World Cup will be, and your number three finishers from that group stage that are playing for the right to play Peru are United Arab Emirates, and they are technically the host against Australia. Again, I said it's going to be in Qatar, the city of Ryan uh, specifically. And you can watch it on Paramount Plus at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. But guess what? That's all we're going to say about this match. Because late in the podcast, usually match 8 or 9, is when we take a break from talking about footy. And we talk about one of my favorite things. And I'm sure yours too. Food. Now, usually we like to learn about food or at least something cultural in general from where the host match is being played. But we have specifically done Qatar and I think even the city of Rayan fairly recently. So just for fun, rather than doing United Arab Emirates or Australia, I decided to look and see what is the halfway point between Australia and and Qatar. And I found that that was uh, the city of Bengkulu, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, in any case, in Indonesia. So even though Indonesia has nothing to do with this particular match, I went looking for something really weird and interesting food-wise, and here's what I found. We're not going to get a full recipe, but I'll tell you that you can look it up on cookpad.com and get a video for how to make, if you want to know, Rebung Assam Undak Lailing. And I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. I'll say it again, though, just so you can look it up more easily. Rebung Assam Undak Liling. I promise you it's pretty phonetic. Now, 
Uh, here's what you're going to need for this. <laughs> it's going to get a little bit gross. Maybe you should just skip over to match number 10. The main ingredients, uh, ingredients in a standard portion of this is going to be 500 grams of black river snail. You want to get the really long, thick, circular ones for this. And the other key ingredient, and you'll use 300 grams of it, is sour, specifically bamboo shoots. Beyond that, you're going to use uh, coconut milk, a bunch of water, of course, and for your seasoning ingredients, uh, red onion, garlic, uh, ginger, turmeric, something called, I believe, Laotian Galangal. I'll be honest, I have no idea what that is, but apparently it goes with this stuff. And then uh, red chili. So, yeah, the bamboo is going to be sour. And you're throwing in some chili in there. Maybe they're trying to kill the taste of the snails. I don't know. Enough salt to taste. And then something called powdered broth. I think it's baking soda powdered broth that will help form the base in this uh, what appears to be skilleted dish. Now, again, I won't have the full recipe for you, but I'll tell you a little bit more about it. It's considered to be very, very delicious. Uh, it's very rich in nutrients, and they believe, and it probably does, have a lot of benefits to it. Uh, <laughs> the mucus, I told you I got gross for the river snails, is considered healing for wounds, and it helps strengthen your immune system. This dish is very rich in protein. It's said to be a cure for acne, very low fat. And when you when you get this, what you want is it says that what I'm reading here, that the taste of it is very uh, sugary and yet spicy. You're going to serve this warm. It's very, very savory. And one of the key things is that, uh, and I think something was lost with the translation I saw online. It says it bounces back. That's the main thing. So apparently, just like the bamboo shoots, those simmered snails are going to be really, really rubbery. So if you like that texture, apparently you're going to love Rabung Assam Bundak Lilac. Come on, what other podcast is going to give you that? Uh, maybe there's a reason for that. Oh, well. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. And we stay in Asia, the AFC, for Asian Cup qualifying as opposed to World Cup qualifying. This is an event that's been going on. It's reached its fourth round for qualifying for the Asian Championships. There are 24 teams left. They've been divided into six groups of four. They're playing a single round robin at just one host site per group. Uh, all the winners... And then all but one of the second place finishers will advance on to the Asian Cup. And the most competitive looking match on paper appeared to us to be Kuwait taking on Indonesia. And it's right here at the start of the group stage. And by the Kuwait, uh, Kuwait, they are the host country for this particular group of four. Their national team is known as the Blue Wave. Uh, there's no blue on their crest whatsoever. They've got very lovely uh, blue home kits. So they'll be playing in those. Something interesting I saw, by the way, it appears, and I don't know if this is a formal requirement, but every single player that looks to be on their roster it plays for a Kuwaiti Premier League club. Very interesting. Uh, 1982 was the only time this team ever made the World Cup. They didn't get any wins there. Uh, regarding uh, the uh, Asian Championships, they won that event in 1980. Uh, the glory days for this team were really uh, back starting in maybe the mid-70s all the way right up until 2000s. In, uh, since 2000, they've only qualified for the Asian Championships three times, and they've never been past the group stage. Uh, I don't know if it was government governmental interference or something else, but they were actually disqualified from trying to qualify last year. 
Fun side note, by the way, I don't know when they played, but the U.S. men's national team has played Kuwaiti one time, and the USA lost to them. So we need to get those two back together, see if that can get evened up. Uh, this team is ranked just inside the top 150 in uh, by FIFA, and they're ranked number 25 in the AFC, so maybe just a little bit below average. Uh, their seat is second in this particular group, and they're uh, probably the 11th best team of the remaining clubs. So just a little bit better than average chance of uh, being able to move on. Key player to look for, uh, Bader Alt-Mutawa. He's their most capped ever player, 37 years old, plays forward. Something interesting about him is, he has achieved the military rank of colonel in the country, and he has a different job. All of these players have different jobs, by the way, full-time. Um, he is the director of the Security Affairs Department of the Kuwaiti National Assembly Guard. So pretty cool there. They just, in that country, they don't recognize sports professionalism as something that's really supposed to be full-time. Just fascinating. Uh, all 20 of his senior playing years have been with one club, Al-Qadzia. He was away on loan just one time, but he didn't leave the country, I don't believe. He is also this team's all-time number three leading scorer and has made almost an unbelievable 200 national team appearances. And then another player to look for on the event scoring leaderboard in this event this year with six already is Yusuf Nasser. Uh, forward, 31 years old, 100 national team appearances of his own. He is just behind Mr. Al-Mutawa. He is the fourth all-time leading scorer, plays for the club Kuwait SC. This team's current form, they are 2-1-2 two, two in their last five. Those were all uh, friendlies that have been played this calendar year. And now Indonesia, kind of fitting that we move on to the Indonesian national team. Since we just talked about one of those dishes, I'm sure that they love. Not sure I would eat it right before a game, though. Black snails, wow. Uh, they are known as the Garuda team, which is actually a Hindu giant bird, a demigod in their folklore and religion, and is said to be the Mount of Vishnu. This team has never been to the World Cup, uh, but between 1996 and 2007, they qualified for the Asian Cup four different times. Never got past the group stage, though. And in fact, they only won two matches, though, between those four appearances. Now, they do play in the AFF, which is the Southeast Asian Sub-Confederation. And in 2020, they made the AFF Championship final before they lost. They've done that before. That's tied for the best they've ever done. So they're very good regionally, but that is the Southeast is not the strongest part of the Asian overall confederation. They've played the USA a couple times as well, and they are 1-1-0 against the USA. And by the way, I misspoke. This is the team that actually has beaten the U.S. before. Uh, I, I mentioned that the other team had lost to them, but in fact, uh, Kuwait lost the only time that they ever played. Anyway, this team is ranked a little bit lower than the AFC. They're down at 34, so right at about down at the 70% 70, 70 mark in the coefficients. They're ranked just outside FIFA's top 150, and uh, they should probably finish by seeding third place out of the four in this group. They're seeded uh, number 18 of the 24 remaining clubs still alive. Their captain, Fakrudin Aryanto, cornerback, 33 years old, with almost 50 national team caps over the last decade, and he plays for the Indonesian club of Madura United. And then their vice captain, Asnawi Meng... Uh, <laughs> I try so hard with these. I got past Fakrudin, and now I'm down on this one. 
Asnawi Mangkwala, right back, 22 years old, uh, 16 caps for the national team since 2017. He plays currently in South Korea, but not in their top league. He is one of the key fixtures for uh, the Ansan Greeners of the South Korean Second Division, K-League 2. And then finally, I want to mention one guy that plays over in Europe. I don't know if in any way if this makes him like one of their best players, quote-unquote, or not. But we do have one guy who's over in Europe with this club. He plays for Ipswich Town in League One, or at least that's who has the rights to him. This last year, he mostly or entirely played with a National League team. That's down in the fifth tier, barely professional in England, uh, a team called Kings Lynn Town. That is Elkan Begat, center back, 19 years old, six foot four. I'll bet he's done some time at goalie. Uh, don't be surprised him moving on. Leeds and West Ham have both been after him from over in the Premier League. At least they had their eyes on him back in 2021 before I, from what I read. He was actually born in Thailand, in Bangkok, but his mom is Chinese Indonesian. So that's why he gets to rep for this particular team. What's interesting is he was repping for them at the first level or the youth levels, rather, and then he refused call-ups the first two or three times. They wanted him on the senior team, but he always said no. Uh, Something must have been lost in the communications because apparently they were somewhat upset, but he came back and uh, apologized profusely and said, hey, it was only related to COVID, and because I've been over in England, I very much want to play with the senior team, and so now he is. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their 2022 friendly. So again, this should be the most competitive matchup of this event for the first week. Bring forth the bonus matches! These three matches are not nearly like the other 10 that you have heard about throughout the podcast. They each have their own quirky characteristics. Thank you for voting on them, by the way. You can find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. Usually about Tuesday of every week, I put up candidate matches. You vote, and dreamy content gets magically made. It's delightful. The first of these three bonus matches is one we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And this one you didn't actually have to vote on because it's international break. There was a little bit less uh, league football going on around the world. There was only one men's top flight domestic match. And yes, we do look at plenty of women's ones as well, by the way, that pitted first versus last place in the league. We're staying in Asia. Say hello to the Liga de Elite, the new name for Macau's Premier League. Uh, they are tied for being the worst with five or six other uh, countries or territories, league associations. They haven't earned any coefficient points in the rankings in a few years. That said, their champion still does get to go to a tournament, the AFC Cup. That is the secondary tournament in Asia below the Champions League. Two teams are going to get relegated. Your matchup, number one, CPK, playing host to number nine, Casa de Portugal. By the way, if you're thinking nine is a weird number of teams from a league, you're right. And there was a 10th one that was supposed to be playing this year. I'd seen them on lists, but they clearly haven't been participating and are already marked for relegation. That was the team called Policia. Here's how the table looks in the Liga de Elite, CPK. Currently leads second place Monte Carlo by six. Casa de Portugal, they trail number eight Sporting Macau by six. Earlier when these two played in the season, yeah, that should have been a route of the week as well. CPK won nil 13. 
Yeah, they were playing so little defense in that game on the uh, CDP side, you might have thought they were a Tahitian team. All right, let's look at the victors in waiting for CPK. That stands for Chow Pak Kai. Never really been able to understand what that is. I sort of thought it was a business sponsor name, but something I've discovered since then might take away from that idea a little bit. I found a different full name for the team and the name of the stadium that they played in as an acronym that's translated to MUST, which is University of Science and Technology. Um, back when they played in the stadium, I don't think they do now. It's only had a capacity of a little over 1,700, by the way. But that, that is now the full name, M-U-S-T, Chow Pak Kai. Now, the club was founded in 2008. They have won the league title twice. They're the defending champions and won it in 2019. They did not get to play in the 2020 AFC Cup. That got canceled because of COVID. They will get to play in this year's iteration, though. They have not lost since April 3rd. That's a long time. Of 2019, that is unheard of. Now, you might say, well, it's one thing for them to go undefeated, but maybe there's been a lot of draws in there. Yeah, maybe there have, maybe there haven't, but nobody's even managed that since late October of 2020. Just an unthinkable amazing run. And this year, it's just continuing. 12-0-0, and they've got a 56 versus three against gold differential. They have just been unstoppable in their territory. And now your roadkill in waiting, Casa de Portugal, a club that was founded in 2001, uh, created largely sort of uh, in defense, if you will, of Portuguese culture. Uh, Macau used to be uh, leased essentially by the Portuguese, and now it's not. The Chinese are changing a lot of things, you know, understandably back to their native language and heritage and culture. So this club is sort of not standing against that per, per se, but they're there to preserve some aspect of uh, the Portuguese time there. Now, this is a yo-yo club. They've won Division II twice. They were re-promoted most recently in 2019. Last year, they finished uh, in eighth place out of 10, barely avoid getting relegated. This year, they've only earned one little point. That was several matches back. They're 0-1-12 with a 5-69 and goal differential. They lost nil 13 at home. How bad is this going to get on the road? Just unthinkable. Now, we often try to use the... Uh, the route of the week to look for any sliver of hope that we might have for how could CDP possibly win this match. The only thing I came up with, and it is slim, is that their manager is named Pelé. Now, he is not obviously the uh, famed Pelé player, but he is a former uh, professional player and he carries the name. So who knows if there's any magic in the name, I think that's the only way Casa de Portugal have even a miracle chance of keeping this thing close. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. There were only two candidate matches to put up in the poll this week. And much to my surprise, the one with uh, New York, New Jersey, Gotham, and I want to say Washington Spirit, but I'm sure about the first one, got walloped. Y'all either didn't want to hear about them this particular week, or you really wanted to find out about the winner because the winner went undefeated. You picked a Sunday match from the island nation, or uh, French overseas territory, actually, of Reunion. Their regional one is their top flight. If you're not familiar, Reunion is a, uh, a nation state, a territory that is uh, just, I think, a few hundred miles east 
of Madagascar. Uh, it's in a really interesting position in the world footy-wise. Their league is considered to be the sixth tier in French football, so uh, not even professional or at the very least uh, not fully professional. Now, the winner of this, you would think, therefore, might get to go to uh, the Coupe de France, France's FA Cup, but they do not, at least not right away. They have their own local FA Cup, the Coupe de Réunion, and uh, that event also serves as a qualifier into the very early round, the seventh round of the French Coupe de France. Given that they are not an independent nation, they are not a member of FIFA, are overseen by the French FA, but they are associate members of Africa's association, the CAF. And so the winner does get a berth into the Champions League in Africa. So it's all very interesting. Uh, Three teams are going to get relegated out of this league. One of the 14 will also have to play in a relegation playoff in order to stay up to uh, not drop down into, yes, this tiny island territory does actually have at least one other division. They don't want to try to drop down into that. Uh, They're less than halfway through this season, by the way. And then one other little side note that's fun. You remember from Tahiti, that four-point league system? Well, that must maybe that's a a French thing. They're not using it in uh, France, at least not in the top leagues. But this is the second territory, as well as Tahiti. Also, this league is using a 4-2-1 point system for wins, draws, and losses. In any case, whether it's relegation we're talking about or going to the African Champions League, these two teams don't have to worry about it. And what other podcast has the heart to shine a light on two teams that, for better and for worse, just aren't going anywhere? Nobody else is going to talk about them but us. You voted for number six, St. Marianne, and they are playing host to number seven, St. Suzanne. Here's how the table looks. Uh, Marianne, they lead Suzanne by one, and they trail number one, St. Pierrois, by nine. So they're a long ways off, even on that four-point win system for being able to get anywhere. Meanwhile, Suzanne, uh, they lead number 12, uh, Trois Bassines, I believe it's pronounced, by five. So it's not unthinkable that they could drop down into the relegation zone, but there are plenty of teams in between, and it's very unlikely. Start off talking about our hosts. Uh, they play out of a city that's almost the same name as the club, St. Marie for St. Marianne. It's in the northern part of the island country, just east of the common capital of St. Denis. Uh, it's got about 35,000. Uh, only real noteworthy thing of any kind I could find was that this is where the main airport for the country is. Uh, Footy-wise, they won uh, that local FA Cup back in 2010, but they went out in the preliminary round of the tournament they got to go to, Africa's Confederations Cup, which is their secondary tournament. Last year, they finished number six overall, number three in their group. They they were divided into two groups in 2021. Uh, This year, they are four, one, and two, which looks pretty good, but just a seven and seven GD uh, goal differential. They're trying to get by with some small ball, really low statistically on offense, just a little bit better than average on defense. That's good for staying afloat, but that's probably not going to get them anywhere. You rarely see these teams that park the bus in front of goal and don't try to score much uh, in international tournaments, for example. And then that's all we've in the, oh, their current form, they're on the slide a little bit. They're 0 1 and 2 in their last three with an 0 and 4 goal differential. So you can see that strategy starting to not work. And then St. Suzanne, uh, they're a commune on, that is a commune of the same name as the club on the Northeast Coast, about 25,000 people. 
Fun side note, they also have a waterfall there that is called Niagara Falls, just like we in Canada do. I don't know. Uh, I assume, obviously, there's some sort of connection with the naming, but I didn't catch what it was. I've got a hard time uh, thinking there's a big enough coincidence that uh, Niagara means something in the native language, and they just happen to you know, name their waterfall after it, uh, the same as we did here in North America. In any case, their record and goal differential also really look meaningless. Three, two, and three with a 10 and 11 goal differential. Offense, defense, goal differential, they are number eight across the board. These folks are just going to sit there like a rock in the river. Uh, as far as their current form, uh, well, I, you know, I should take back that rock in the river thing. One never knows. I forgot about this since I game scouted and put together my broadcast notes. They lost their first three matches of the season. That means they haven't lost a match since. I don't know if that's a quirk of the scheduling and they had a rough start or if they're really, really getting better. But this might be a fun race just to kind of keep a half an eye on and see what happens. And now we reach the end of our two podcast road. It is time to suffer through the match of disappointment. There were only three candidates this particular week. You didn't want from the one from the DR Congo or from the NISA, third division here in the U.S., although it was a very close vote. But the one that won out for you was a Saturday match from the second division here in America, the USL Championship out of the Western Conference. Now, the two teams we're going to look at by points are far and away not the worst in the whole league, but they are the worst in their conference. Now, just like Major League Soccer, the top seven will get to go to the playoffs the winning, uh, the winning teams from each conference will get buys. Not that that has anything to do with the match of disappointed teams because they are two teams from the very, very bottom, of course. By the way, you can catch this match on ESPN Plus at 10 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to look at number 13 in last place, Monterey Bay versus screwing things up for me because they apparently won a game between the time I game scouted it and recorded it. Now number 10, Oakland Roots. Here's how the table looks. Oakland currently lead Monterey Bay by four. They trailed number seven. That's the last playoff spot. Remember Rio Grande Valley by just two. So who knows maybe they're getting a little less disappointed, but it's a fairly new team. So I wouldn't count on it. They've already played once this season, even though I don't think they're even halfway through and Monterey won that on the road two to three. We'll talk about them first. Now that they get to play a host, something that's in their favor, by the way, they have anywhere from one to three matches in hand on a lot of the teams in this division, including three against Oakland. So even as an expansion team, this is a team you can't expect to probably do well, but they might not be as bad as a lot of folks would think. This is a very new club, by the way. It's a continuation of the historical club Fresno FC, which closed up shop just a couple years ago. I believe that their owner was trying to and could not get the community to help with a soccer-specific stadium getting built, so he left. Now the club plays in Seaside, a town that is just north of Monterey proper. And uh, if this area is famous for anything, I always like to find fun little stuff. Uh, something I never heard before. There's something called Scribble Hill, which is basically a giant dune, but people are able to leave like congratulatory messages and other things using something called ice plant, which just has a really, really cool name. So Google up some neat images if you would like to about seaside, but we will get back to the footy. Uh, they are uh, near the bottom in offense and the very worst in the uh, conference in defense. They're giving up almost two and a half goals per match. That gives them the worst goal differential by almost uh, a factor of two. Now, that is 
to be perfectly honest, that's a major improvement. That is unlikely to change. The gold differential is really telling. So even with the matches in hand, things just don't look promising here in their inaugural year. Best player they have going is probably Chase Andrew Boone, plays left winger for them. Came over on a free from uh, San Diego Loyal, a different team here in the second division. But as we like to do for the match disappointed, we like to give a hard time to the worst player on the team. And as is so often the case statistically, that ends up being the goalkeeper, Dallas J or Jaye, J-A-Y-E. He represents internationally for Guam of all places, even though he is California born. Uh, He's gotten to make 20 international appearances since 2012 for the Guamians. Guamis. I don't even know what they call the people from that territory there. But he's made seven appearances and he's only had one clean sheet. And that is just putrid. Now, in his defense, I will say that his last two or three appearances has suddenly looked much, much stronger, at least looking at the stats sheets. So uh, if you choose to root for Monterey, here's to hoping on your behalf and theirs that they can start doing a little less disappointing. As far as the team's current form, they're starting to get less disappointing. 3-0-1, ooh, with an 8-4 and goal differential, and they've even won their last two. Could they be threatening to climb out of the cellar? Why not? They have an example from Oakland Roots in that regard. Uh, this team, uh, last year they finished in fourth place in the Pacific Division when things were divided that way, but that only made them number 10 overall in the Western Conference. They did get to go to the playoffs and even made the conference semifinals. Before last year, though, they had spent two years in the Division Three or Tier Three, I should say, uh, NISA organization. They won one of the shortened half seasons and then another full half season more recently before getting to move up. So they've already moved up once and they're only three years old. One wonders if they might have some growing still to do. They do have at least one really good player on their squad, a guy from Iceland, Oscar Magnus Carlson. What a cool name. Uh, He is the league's leading scorer, not just their conference, in all of USL Championship. He's got, I believe, 10 goals already on the year. Plays forward for him, 25 years old. If you're wondering if he might get the attention of some higher up league, well, believe it or not, he's actually on loan here from Venezia, which this past season was in Serie A. In Italy, but they got relegated. They're now down in the B division. But regardless, that's a really interesting place, a seeming long way down for a player to get uh, loaned out to. Uh, But for Iceland, he's already gotten to make nine national team caps, so a lot of good experience for him. The worst player on the team, though, once again, boo to their goalkeeper. That is Benny Diaz, 23-year-old goalkeeper out of Mexico, 11 appearances, only one clean sheet. He's here on loan from Tijuana, and I would not expect them to be calling him up anytime soon, unless there's a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, He's officially listed as Mexican, but he is California born. uh, Although I'm not sure he's repped for them at any level, not even at the youth level team's current form. They're starting to play better of late as well. The most interesting in a way matching match of disappointed of all, because between these two in their last uh, mathing nine matches between these two teams, They've only lost one match. That's incredible. This team is 2-3-0 in their last five, although they've only kept one clean sheet. So I'm not sure how much longer they're going to be able to keep this up. Regardless of how well they've been doing, they are still part of the match of Disappointed. And thusly here at the end of the show, rather than wishing them good luck, we will shoo them away, deservedly so, in our usual fashion. 
It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. And that'll put a bow on episode 86 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I'd like to extend my deepest appreciation to he who is known mysteriously as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts are not only uh, inspirational, but quite frankly, they're on fire. Hopefully just figuratively. And of course, to my daughter, Person Noob, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining me in in all your own special ways for this, as always. And thank you to you for listening. If you really liked what you found, we hope that you'll pass this on to your footy-minded friends. We've really uh, endeavored to create something unique here, despite the silly, uh, some of the silliness that goes on, the theme song, some of the humorous bits throughout. We hope that that you know, helps you stay interested. We've really endeavored to create something unique covering matches that a lot of podcasts just aren't. If you want to understand just a little bit of football from all the world over, I don't think there's another show out there like ours. Again, thank you very much for tuning into it, and we look forward to catching you again when we can do it in a few days. Until then, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. 